So I want to start off as we're going to continue the series about purity with another video. This is going to be a short one that Cannibal to You did in, in partnership with the Masters University. Uh, we've done a lot of videos recently working together with them. This is Dr. Abner Chow, who's the president of the Masters University and Seminary, and he had some good things to say about directing our attention toward Christ. So we're going to start off with that. Capturing all of our existence unto Christ, it demands that we analyze every component of our life to make sure that everything and every facet of what we do is for the deliberate worship and honor of our Savior who died for us. It's not enough that the end goals are honoring to Christ. We need the means to also honor Christ. It isn't enough in sanctification for us just to change our behavior. That's not good enough. The Bible wants us not just to be nice people, but people whose lives are in the imitation and direct and deliberate glory of Christ to follow and worship Him, not just to be a nicer person. And it's for these reasons that I'm so enthusiastic to support Accountable to You. Because Accountable to You has thought through the totality of capturing all things to Christ in the way that they present material in accountability to the discipler and the disciplee. They have been thoughtful to prevent someone from stumbling into sin. They have been thoughtful in modeling and making sure the program works in a way that facilitates not just behavioral change, but true sanctification of all those who are involved. What we want as believers is not just something that will modify our attitudes are our actions externally, but actually produce in us, it's in us by the grace of God, through the Holy Spirit, worship and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Accountable to You is that tool to help accomplish that means and that end. Well, that is what we're going to be talking about today. Not Accountable to You specifically, but about uh, Christ and his work, his centrality in our life, and that we need to not just change ourselves on the outside, but be changed by him. Starting off, I want to uh, give, as I gave thanks to the Lord earlier, we're, we're very grateful to have the book in hand. So the content that we've been working through in this series, you can pick that up on the back table. There's enough for uh, everybody to get one of those and or it takes one or two if there's somebody that you know that could benefit from it um we were just given lots of these out at the g3 conference and very encouraged how god is using this resource make sure that you avail yourselves of that we're going to continue talking about the purity shield we did a, an overview of how all these different pieces the the two types of accountability being accountable to God and to one another, and then the three vital defenses, flee from sin, come to Christ, and share with others. And then we looked last week at flee from sin, the necessity of taking sin seriously and doing whatever it takes to remove it from our life, and then we're going to look today at come to Christ. Before we do that, let's open up in a word of prayer together. Father, Please draw us near to you as you draw near to us, as we read in that opening scripture, as we seek to walk in purity before you. Stir up in us a greater love for you and for your word. And Lord Jesus Christ, 
You're the one who gave your life for us to set us free from sin and death. And in you are hidden all the riches of knowledge and wisdom and beauty and goodness. Would you increase our hunger and our thirst for you? We want to we want to want you more. Would you do that work in us? Holy Spirit, unless you work mightily in us, our best efforts are worthless. Help us to put off our old self and put on the new self. May we be filled with the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit so that you, Lord, our triune God, may receive all the glory as we pray in your name. Amen. All right, defense two is come to Christ. These are defenses against temptation and ways that we can really just live in the fullness that God has for us. This is, I think, my favorite out of all of them. We get to talk about our Savior. Defense two, come to Christ, is to direct your attention to pursue what is good, drawing near to God through his word and prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to remember uh, our grounding, the scripture for this series that we're starting from and working outwards from, which is 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So the second part there, the pursuing of righteousness, faith, love, and peace is what we're going to focus on. And all of those things are summed up and available to us in the person of Jesus Christ. As we're looking at this scripture, uh, I'm sure it's occurred to many of you, this is not just applicable to the topic specifically of uh, sexual sin that we've been talking about, but this is across the board how we deal with any uh, sin or idol in our life that we need to be practicing these principles of fleeing from sin, putting off the sin, coming to Christ and putting on his righteousness, and doing so in the context of the church and with accountability with other believers. These are all, these is, this is applicable in so many areas of our life, and so many of the, the temptations that we face, but we are going to continue to focus specifically on the area of pornography and sexual sin as such an, a need in our time as we Seek to be pure before the Lord. Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, didn't just say to flee from sin, but and run away from what is bad, but to pursue what is good. This is the the principle that is throughout all scripture, and the good is found in Christ. Christ himself, who, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a wonderful promise. Reminds me, uh, and this whole topic of the the quote, it's really the, the name of a sermon by Thomas Chalmers, which is, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And we need that instead of joyless self-denial, keeping ourselves in some sort of uh, grim 
serious state to fight against sin. Well, we do need to be serious, but we need a new affection that expels the old. Hating sin is not enough. We do need to see sin as God sees it, but we must love Christ. We must love him. He is the the source of all of those things that we saw we're supposed to pursue in 2 Timothy of righteousness, faith, and love and peace. So, as an illustration for this, how do you get the air out of an empty glass? You might be able to guess because I'm holding something else. You get the air out of an empty glass by filling it with something else, not by trying harder or, you know, attaching some sort of suction device to it. We, we want to do this carefully so that I don't ruin my notes, but look at this, right? The air is removed because it's replaced with something else, something, yeah, something pure with water. We want to be walking, we want to be walking with Christ and have desire for him, replace the desires for all sorts of other things in our life. We want to be filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. This is important, and we're going to take a look at some of these scriptures here. This is important because everybody knows, whatever that you've wrestled with, that telling yourself to just say no doesn't work for very long. It'll work for a little while, maybe, uh, but you reach a point when you need more than your own willpower. And the scientists are saying that willpower is like a muscle and it runs out after a certain point, and a lot of us run out by 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but, but willpower is not enough, and that's so fleeing from sin on our own is not enough. The scripture says, and these are references from Ephesians and Galatians, it says to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, in Ephesians 3.16, to keep in step with the Spirit, in Galatians 5.25. And the goal of all of this is Galatians 5.22, that we may bear the fruit of the Spirit. Having recognized the repulsiveness, the repulsiveness of sin, we need to pursue the goodness and beauty of Christ, and turn our attention that way. The Bible calls this putting off and putting on. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, where we see this this concept really clearly. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 17. Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of their heart. God save us from that. Uh, Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This is a natural state of man apart from God, apart from Christ and his work in us. But verse 20, that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires 
and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Boy, that concept of put off and put on is also uh, what it aligns with the purity shield, what we're talking about, fleeing from sin and coming to Christ. And there's a third element there as well um, as a bonus. I'll show you this. It aligns with the last part that we're going to talk about next week, which is, so we're supposed to put off the old self. We're supposed to put on the new self. And then it says in, let's see, verse 25 is that? Yes, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So we need to, the, the, and then if you saw in verse 22, the old manner of life is corrupt through deceitful desires. So what we want to do is to put, up, put away falsehood, verse 25, and speak the truth to one another. That's what we're going to be talking about in come. Uh, in share with others next time that we need to walk in honesty. We need to not be uh, hiding and deceiving and covering over one area of our life. So anyway, that's all three of these principles are here. They're also in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It's a little bit different order. It starts off with do not lie to one another. As, as the basis, we need to be walking in honesty and truth, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, right? Fleeing from sin and have put on the new self, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And that's how we, when we come to Christ. So those, those uh, three aspects, and in particular, the putting off and putting on are all throughout scripture. That is, we talked about it actually last time, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that we're, we are to lay aside every weight, the putting off, and the sin which clings so closely, and to run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the, the putting on, the new, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And Romans, uh, I don't, well, this is another one in there. I forgot. I, I didn't remove that slide. There, this is another. There's a lot of good verses of this. Uh, James 1.21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with, me- with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And uh, then Romans 13, 12 and 13. I, I really like these verses probably just the, the little boy in me that liked putting on armor. But um, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to continue to embrace our new identity in him, and to deny those old sinful passions. And in that process, our desires are transformed. The more we 
as we, we read uh, from the, the opening scripture in James, as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And the more we say no to temptation, the more we will be able to say no, the closer we are to God. So how do we, how do we come to Christ? Panthers. The more we draw near to God, the easier it is to say no to temptation. We can come to Christ um, in a number of, there's, there's a lot of different aspects we could talk about with this, but we're going to use the word come, just like last time we used the word flee. We're going to break this down into four different aspects that we need to be doing. We need to confess, obey, meditate, and enjoy. Confess, obey, meditate, and enjoy. So first, we need to confess, and this means to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and ask him to forgive our sins. Confess means to acknowledge or to agree. We, so we need two kinds of confession, and, and pictured here, acknowledging Christ as Lord and confessing our sins to him. Two different kinds of confession. First, we need to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So as we come to Christ, we talked about fearing God. last. Uh, that ought to drive us near to God as we see his just judgment of sin. We want to draw near to him, if you can remember the circle, and wanting to be near God in the center of the circle of obedience. Well, what we need to be, this, this first C and this, the, the O as well, obey, are talking along those same lines, but directing us more and more toward that center of Christ. So we need to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Christ alone. This is the biblical gospel. So as we come to Christ, that's where we start. We believe the biblical gospel, that we are all sinners. We are sinners by birth and by choice. And that God is perfectly just and righteous and holy. And our sin before him deserves his just wrath. The wages of our sin is both physical and spiritual death and separation from God eternally. We can't do anything to save ourselves from this, but Christ has done all. Jesus, the Son of God, who was born as a man, he lived the perfect life that we could not, and he died the perfect uh, sacrifice for our sin, atoning for that. Although he was innocent, he bore the wrath of God for us. This is what we sang about earlier. This is our, our great uh, hope, the treasure in Christ that we have in the gospel. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated sin. And he has made a way for all of us who believe in him to be saved from sin, receive the free gift of eternal life 
as we believe in him. This is, this is where we start, confessing Christ as Lord and as Savior. And then along with that, we have to confess our sins to God. In the beginning, and as we go on through the journey as Christians, Psalm 32.5 says, I acknowledged my sin to you, cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Praise the Lord. This is the great hope that we have, the great promise that we have, even as 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we, we ought not shy away from it. We ought not feel like, boy, I, I did this terrible thing. I'm going to have to wait at least a few days before I can come back to God again, before I can confess it to him. We have the, that is a, a lie from the devil to keep you away, a lie from our own flesh to keep us away from him. And instead, we ought to run to Christ. We ought to confess our sins. We ought to find the forgiveness that he has promised and to seek to walk close to him there. We need to keep on confessing our sins just as we do in the beginning of our faith. We need to keep on repenting and believing. So number, number one is C, confess. Now we also are going to talk about the need to if there is uh, sexual sin and pornography, often it involves uh, the hurt to somebody else, especially if you're married. And so there's a need to confess to others. And we're going to talk about our need to confess to others next time uh, that we discuss the defense three, share with others. But the focus here is on confessing Christ as Lord and confessing our sin to him. So then we have... The O, obey. Submit to God and embrace his wise commandments. Often we think of obedience as kind of just a dreary, uh, you know, I don't know, a resolution. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to obey. Um, there, there needs to be that resolution, that commitment, but we also need to, we ought to be embracing and realizing that his commandments are good. And this is, as we... As we understand the gospel, as we come to Christ and and see what he's done for us and bought us by his blood, we recognize that he is Lord not only of our heart but of our body as well and of our mind. God's claim on our life has practical implications. Uh, And so we read throughout scripture about the calling that we have to obey Christ and how we use our body. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, talks specifically about this. He said, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul here says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So the question is, who's ruling? Who's ruling my body? Is it Christ? Or is it sin? Do not let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members, your, your parts of your body, your hands, your eyes, whatever they are. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for righteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death 
to life, and your members, again, to God as instruments for righteousness. This is what we're called to as believers, to give our mind and body to the Lord who bought us. We need to obey God and not sin. We need to resolve this in our mind every day. Uh, it just in the days that I don't resolve it in my mind in the beginning of the day and throughout the day are, the, are not as good of days. <laughs> we, uh, his commandments are good. We want to obey God, not sin, and make no excuses for it. Romans 12.1 teaches us that we are to live as we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, one that's, we don't have to die, we don't have to shed our blood, Christ has done that, but our bodies are a sacrifice to him. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, or your reasonable service, as a other translations say. This is something that we're called to as believers, and it is a delight to us as we know Christ. This requires that we're frequently uh, confirming in our minds that God's commandments are good, that they're right and true, and they're not a burden. As 1 John 5, 3 says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, right? The whole book of 1 John, if you love me keep my commandments, Jesus said. And the, the book of First John expounds on this, that we can tell those who love God because they keep his commandments. And 5.3 says his commandments are not burdensome. So whenever I'm thinking that his commandments are burdensome, I'm not loving God as I ought. And I need to correct my mind. I need to renew my mind. This requires a position, a posture before God of humility. And hmm, we're going to skip over that one. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right? So if we want to expect, we, we, we sang about that, uh, the the devil flees, the scriptures tell, he roars but cannot harm. If we want to see that happen, the place that we need to be first is in submission to God. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we need to be in a place of humility, a place of receiving from God whatever he calls us to do. Just like, boy, like you said, uh, Pastor Scott, we sang these words. I will go wherever you're calling me. I, li- I lose my life to find my life in him. This is our calling as Christians. It, it doesn't, uh, it is not easy, but it is good. And so this is our, this is where we need to be in a place of submission to him. And that's the, that's the putting on. Uh, so let's talk about the next one, which is M. So we looked at um, confess and obey, C-O. We're going to look at M, which is meditate. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If we have desires that are not right, how can our desires be transformed? And the scripture tells us it's by renewing our minds, and that we do that in his word. 
Romans 12, 1, we just read. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this word world. Do not be conformed to the world. Take its shape, right? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we want to see our minds change, how we look at things in age, we must be diligently filling our minds with the word of God. God's word is how he speaks to us. It's alive and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, as Hebrews 4.12 tells us. Let's turn to Psalm 119. We were there uh, a couple weeks ago. This has become a dear passage to me, even though as a younger man, I didn't know why people would spend so much time talking about how good God's word is and his commandments. Uh, When you see that his commandments are not burdensome. Let's turn to Psalm 119 and look at, starting in verse 9, as I'm reading this, consider the action words, the verbs uh, that we hear. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. All kinds of verbs, actions uh, that the psalmist is saying uh, he's doing toward God's word. We, we read, let's see, keep, guard, seek, not wander, store up, declare, delight, meditate, fix my eyes, Uh, delight again and not forget. This is my translation. You you probably have other excellent words if you have a different translation. The the point is to to consider, and this is the, the question I have to ask myself as I read this passage, is this my relationship with the word of God? Does this, do these verbs describe how I approach God's word? This is We need God's word in our life. We need it every day because our minds need to be renewed. But it doesn't doesn't happen uh, by just sort of letting sleepy eyes pass over words. Uh, There's there's not a transformation going on in my mind and heart. As I was thinking about how uh, to, as a picture for this, I, I was reminded of a microfiber cloth. Has anybody ever tried to use a microfiber cloth or these uh, strange polyester filaments? We, we use these for uh, our milking the goats at home and cleaning them up. But we use them for other purposes too. But they're very, very difficult to get wet. You spray them and the water just sort of sits on the outside of it. It doesn't really soak in. And even if you were to dunk it into water and you pull it out again and shake it off, it's just damp. It doesn't, it doesn't get in there. The only way to get it down into the cloth 
uh, is you, you almost have to sit under the water and just sort of work it in there. You have to really make, a, make an effort or, or, you know, even if you leave it soaking, it, it takes a very long time. So that's, that needs to be our, our approach toward God's word, like the, the microfiber cloth that just doesn't really grab it very quickly. And now sometimes if you already have the, the surface tension broken, it's right there and it soaks right in. But a lot of the time we, we need more than that. We need to work at it and, and break the, the tension that's, that's keeping uh, that word from soaking in. And we need to do that uh, also by asking the Lord to open up his word to us and open up our heart to his word. So that's a, that's a picture for uh, maybe meditating, letting it soak in. The, the Hebrew word means to muse. It actually has the idea of talking to yourself uh, or muttering, sort of repeating a concept over. We, we need to be having that mindset toward God's word. It, it's really better, I, better to read, even if it's just three verses, and soak in it and consider it than to read three chapters and walk away and not have any remembrance of what we read and have any effect on our mind and our hearts. The goal of Bible reading is to saturate your mind with Scripture, and that doesn't have to be a lot. We do need to get a lot of God's Word into our mind, but sometimes we don't have a lot of time and we need something right away. We need to be—the goal is to saturate. Sometimes you—there's uh, a lot of techniques— Sometimes I, I like to focus as I'm reading through uh, on each word or each phrase and consider, uh, so Psalm 119, verse 12, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. You could consider, blessed are you. Blessed are you. God is the one who's blessed, forever blessed. What, what does that mean? Blessed are you, O Lord, Yahweh, the one who is the I am, the Redeemer God, uh, and so consider each phrase or each word, then teach me, teach me, wow, I need to be taught, I need to be discipled, I need to learn, and he's my master, and teach me what? Your statutes, your commandments, or your, the, the specific applications of your law. So that's just one example, but you can break it down, you can picture, picture yourself in a scene if you're reading through the Gospels or something else, and consider what, wow, how did this seem to the original uh, readers or hearers of this. Um, just a lot of ways that we can meditate on God's word and soak in it. But that's the, that's the goal of our Bible reading, is to, to get it into us. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Some of my most delightful times with the Lord have been uh, unexpectedly while I was driving and decided not to listen to a podcast like I often do and not to put on some music, but just to pull back up uh, the scriptures that I've been memorizing and, and slowly go through and consider them. And the Lord just showed me amazing, has, many times I've been surprised, wow, he shows me, he meets me, and teaches me things in that time from the words. But that requires, of course, that I'm putting them in there ahead of time, uh, which is a practice that I'm working on uh, being more diligent in. It's uh, the, med- the meditation on God's word when we don't have it right in front of us requires that we are memorizing God's word as well. 
this is something that is uh, was essential to any the the Jewish people, even um, Jesus as a young young Jewish boy, and all of his uh, the the folks at his time would have been trained to memorize huge sections of scripture, and it was it would be in their mind to be able to call to attention. I can't say that I'm anywhere near that attainment, but um, it. It does, this is necessary for us to defend in the moment of temptation. Because how can we use the sword of the word of God if we have not had it ready in our mind? Psalm 119, uh, 11 that we just read says, I have stored up your word in my heart or treasured or um, uh, guarded, kept away. I, I, I'm storing it up that I might not sin against you. And Psalm 37, 31 says, talking about the man who is blessed of the Lord, that the law of his God is in his heart, his steps do not slip. So if we want to be ready for the temptation, we've got to have the word in there. It needs to be a practice. And there's a lot of ways that you can do this. For for me, it's just we just need to repeat it over and over. Read it, repeat it, look away, repeat repeat it again, write it out, uh, and call it to attention again and again. And uh, God has made the mind an amazing thing. We can can store things in there and then get them back out again when we need them. Uh, So meditate. As we are considering meditation, um, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. And we do need to think about things on earth. We have jobs, we have families, but we need to be with a mindset as much as we can, turning our eyes toward Christ and where he is at, meditating on him. A.W. Tozer said of this, that faith is not a once-done act, but a continuous gaze of the heart at the triune God. Faith is not a once-done act, but a continuous gaze of the heart at the triune God. This is from the book, The Pursuit of God, which I would recommend to anybody uh, on this topic of coming to Christ. Uh, Just an excellent primer on directing our attention toward God and all the things that get in the way, how to deal with them. The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Other ways to meditate on truth, we can, we can sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. As Ephesians 5.19 says, we've got all kinds of books that we can study and read about God's word or Christian biographies, men and women who have um, lived in ways that were pleasing to him, missionaries. We can listen to audio sermons and podcasts that turn our attention toward Christ. We just need to make the choices and be disciplined to pursue him. So that is M, meditate. The last one is where we get to when we do all these other. It is to enjoy. Enjoy. Cultivate delight in God and his good gifts. God first, his good gifts. Second, God's steadfast love to his children, his presence, his gifts uh, are so much better than the fleeting thrills of sin. Psalm 36, verse 8 says, 
of the people of God, that they feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We want life, we want fullness of joy, and we want pleasures forevermore. But so often, instead of getting the really good thing that God has for us, we settle for the, the lie, the temptation that leaves us empty. Remember that God is good. His commandments are not burdensome. He has something better for us. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So we need to draw near to God. We need to come to Christ. We need to rejoice always, as 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. This mindset of continual being before the Lord. Give thanks in all circumstances. Yeah, we really can do that. In all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Just like uh, meditation and memorization, prayer is a resource that as Christians we do not utilize enough. The Almighty God is near. We have sung and read about. He is near to all who call on him. He is our help. Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all those who call on him in truth. And Psalm 34.18 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So one of the things that as we're talking about coming to Christ, we need to ask him to change our desires. This isn't something we can just do by willpower. We need to ask him. We need to pray to him. And we need to then seek to dwell and meditate on the good things, uh, the things that are right and true and beautiful. The things like Philippians 4.8 gives this fantastic list of we should plead with God to give us a hatred of sin and a love for himself. And we need to, lastly, enjoy his good gifts. Uh, we want to not love the gift over the giver, but God things freely to enjoy. That's 1 Timothy 6.17. He gives us all, he richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So we need to invest ourselves into good pursuits, God-honoring uh, hobbies and work. Uh, we need to fill up our time with those things or uh, people in our life, the delight of good relationships, pursue those with friends and family. And of course, if we're married, delighting in our, our spouse. If you're not married, it might be uh, seeking to pursue a spouse, but also just in other people. Uh, just the, the delight that God's given us there. So many good gifts, pleasures, food and drink. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and uh, 12. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 through 13 says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, and that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil, for this is God's gift to man. 
This is God's gift to man, to take joy in the simple things. And ultimately, we need to remember that the goal is, in all of this, not just to delight in the gift or even in the word of, of God, the, in the, the book, in the text, but in God himself. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, that's the last one. That was E, enjoy, from the word come. In closing, we looked at the vulnerabilities, the deadly vulnerabilities. So here's a picture of what happens when we're missing uh, this second defense in our life, come to Christ. We cannot be pure no matter how hard we strive because our evil desires are not transformed by God's word and spirit. Just like we heard at the video in the beginning that Purity, true purity of our heart is not something that we get to just by modifying the externals of our behavior, but by a transformation from the inside that Christ, by his Holy Spirit and through his word, affects in us. Because Jesus himself said in John 15, abide, abide, dwell, stay, remain, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And later in that passage, he comes straight out and says, For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we don't want to try to live without the power of God in our hearts. To live in purity, we need to have all the aspects of the purity shield. We need to be fleeing from sin coming to Christ and sharing with others. We'll talk about the share with others next week, Lord willing. But don't remember, uh, wait, don't, don't forget to remember uh, to pick up a copy of the book as you go out today. Um, that's on the back table, Defending Purity in a Pornographic Age. Let's close in a word of prayer today. God, our Father, you are good and you have given us every good thing. You have made a way for us to come to you in the Lord Jesus Christ by your spirit. You have given us your word. You have not left us alone. You draw near to us. I pray that you would take these words, use them in our hearts, change us, mold us more, conform us into the image of Jesus Christ, to whom be all the glory and honor forever. Amen.